Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. And um, we are continuing our series of 10 years of money in the bank. And this time it's the WrestleMania 24 match, which um, involves the money in the bank at this point. So this time, money in the bank was starting to be a stable. Is it Was money in the bank always a match you were looking forward to at WrestleMania? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really, for me, it, it depends on who's in it. Um, but generally I look forward to it. I think the nice thing about, um, about money in the bank is that it, um, the psychology of the match is very easy, uh, and leaves a lot open because like the psychology is get the fucking briefcase. Right. So with that being the case, um, that leaves a lot open for like, it's basically just turns into a spectacle, right? Like it's, there's no, uh, there doesn't necessarily have to be any storyline stuff happening. There doesn't have to be any complicated rule sets like a WCW gimmick match. It's, it's get the fucking briefcase. So you can get a lot of sort of big spots that serve that. And it doesn't seem like it doesn't, it, the spots don't seem outside of the psychology of the match for the most yeah. part. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that I, that I generally, uh, look forward to to Money in the Bank. Yeah, so I mean, for me, it's, it's probably my <clears throat> one of the favorite matches of the year to look forward to, and that would be some really good ones. And um, with WrestleMania itself, it, it does seem like sort of a good staple. And then, obviously, two years after this, they decide to make it on pay per view. So the competitors in this one are uh, John Morrison, uh, Mr. Kennedy, MVP, Belito, Trish Jericho. TM Punk and Shelton Benjamin. Um, out of those um, eight guys, do you think that's a group, good group of guys to have? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely... Oh, wait, so that's... Did I miss one? I think there's seven guys in this one, which is which I thought was weird, because it's usually six or eight, but I think that's... Punk, Kennedy, yeah. Morrison, Carlito, uh, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, Chris Jericho. That's seven, right? Or did I miss one? I... Uh, do you put? Do you get Carlito? Yeah, I said Carlito. Yeah, because well, I'm not going to repeat that. Punk, Benjamin, Jericho, Carlito, MVP, Kennedy, and Morrison. So yeah, seven. Seven. Sorry. seven. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure it used to be eight for ages, and then for yeah. some reason seven. It was six. Like I feel like it, it was six the first time or the first two times, right? And then it was yeah seven. I think just this one time, and then it was it's been eight. I think since then, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, t- WrestleMania 26 had ten. Definitely. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That town was a forward a bit too much, but this one is seven. So this seems, seems like a bit of an unusual number to have. 
Yeah. It, it, yeah. It seems like a really weird number. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember if somebody else was supposed to be in it and got injured and they didn't replace them or what the deal was. I don't recall. Yeah. I will also say that to match the uh, seven guys in the ring, there's four guys on commentary, which is like sort of insufferable and really hard to follow. Yeah. They started doing that, I think, of the year before, having all the commentators um, contribute at some point. And do you think that kind of took away from the match? I don't know if I'd say it took away from the match because the match is still as enjoyable, but I think it, it's 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 a little distracting. And as far as the commentary doing what the commentary should do in a match like this, it kind of hurts that because like Joey, I didn't even realize Joey Styles was on commentary until like maybe a third of the way through the match, and yeah. I was like, oh hey, how about that? And like Taz contributes nothing of value, <laughs> like during this whole match. Yeah, like, I don't think he was at ECW at the time. Yeah, and like Joey Styles chimes in and tries to just do play-by-play, but then he's like immediately drowned out by, you know, other members of the commentary team. Yeah. And I would think, I believe it was uh, JR, Cole, Joey Styles, and Taz. And I, am I? Uh, did, King, King. Was King there King too? Yeah, I think King and JBL were kind of saying stuff as well. So, uh, and I didn't even catch JBL, yeah. which yeah, is for the better. The, yeah, I think because there's so many of them, you kind of get the kind of all mixes together. You kind of don't really figure out who's saying who. You just kind of listen to commentary, but don't listen to who right. exactly is saying. Uh, so, yeah, so the match starts. Uh, pretty much with, with most of these kind of matches, those teams start with all kind of a brawl for a bit, and then uh, some get thrown to the outside, they end up with a, a couple left. Right. Um, John Morgan comes in, tries to bring in the ladder, but um, MVP like, hits a big boot and then goes off him. And then he hits Kennedy Benjamin who comes with that ladder. Um, but one thing I noticed with these ladder matches is that because this ladder, I'm sorry, because the first ladder match I ever saw was Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon WrestleMania 10, and that was just one ladder. Mm-hmm. And it always seems weird that it can make sense because it's a bit weird having seven people fight over one ladder. Right. Kind of defeats it a bit. But um, it's always so there's just ladders everywhere, so it's easy to get one get set up and then no one gets set up and they use different weapons and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the ladder, as we'll see in short order, the ladder used in the Sean Razor match is also considerably more durable than the yes. ladders <laughs> that are used here. Um, yes, definitely. Um, there's a good spot when um, M- MVP Benjamin put on the outside and Morrison with us. Where the ladder does a moonsault on it, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He did. Well, so bef- right before that, there there's a joust spot, right, where Jericho has a big ladder and Morrison has a not as big ladder, and they joust at each yeah. other, and Jericho hits Morrison, um, and then Morrison comes back on Jericho and then grabs the smaller ladder and yeah, does the moonsault. Yeah. So he's holding the ladder. He does the moonsault to the outside from from the top buckle to the outside with the ladder, and he takes out. Everybody who isn't Jericho, basically. Yes. Uh, with that. Yeah, Jericho's all the time. Yes. Um, and also Kennedy as well, because Kennedy gets gets to um, set up a ladder. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jericho tries to um, cat- no, fight with him and then tries to catapult him onto it. Um, but Kennedy, instead of like, being thrown into it, he managed to land on the ladder and climbs up, and Jericho goes after him. And then Mars is using another ladder to get to Kennedy's ladder. And. Um, because what he does, he kind of on one at the ropes, and he kind of uses the, the, the pedal to Kennedy's ladder. But in the process, that ladder hits Jericho. 
Yeah. Which I thought was like one of those, I don't know if that was like planned or not, but it did look like one of those like unintended consequences that sometimes happens. Um, with that as well, um, so we get Kevin and Morrison fight it out, and then Benjamin climbs up on another ladder that gets knocked down. Uh, Kennedy tries to suplex Morrison, uh, but Benjamin sunset flips Kennedy, and they all go crashing down, which I thought was a nice spot. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. So so Benjamin does the sunset flip and power bombs Kennedy, who is suplexing Morrison, and yeah, they all. Yeah. And and I I they J- Jim Ross calls it something really dumb, and I don't remember what, but um, I it was either so. Did you get a lot of like my little like matches? Like, why call it sunset? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's probably the proper move for it. Well, right. it doesn't sunset there, but then sends them guy down, which always thought was a really nice spot. Yeah. Um, with that, uh, Benjamin starts to climb up, but Kelly's on top of him. Uh, but Benjamin gets his feet on the legs to get back on the ladder before he falls. Uh, and then Punk's off. Climbing up, he stopped by Kennedy. Um, Kennedy, obviously, by the way, he won uh, last year's West, last year's Money in the Bank, but obviously lost egg and cast it in. And do you think he was the person you could have seen as a champion? Yeah, I think so. I mean, so my thing. So first of all, I I, I know Ken Anderson um, because he and I are both from Wisconsin, and he and I both wrestled in the Indies in Wisconsin around the same time. So um, I definitely think that Howdy. Hello. What's up? Can you hear me? Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, fine. I don't know why the internet decided to stop working for some reason. It happens, man. It happens. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Mr. Kennedy, I believe. I don't yes, know where we got cut off. Okay, uh, where was I up to before we got cut off? I'm sorry? Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm trying to think where we got to. Yeah, because he... Oh, he pulled... He, uh, we, we, he yeah, pulled Ke- Punk off the ladder. The power bomb super Right, he did that, and then we talked about. Uh, then Benjamin right goes for um, someone. Morrison, I think, tips Benjamin off. Benjamin springs back onto the ladder, which immediately like disintegrates under him. Then Benjamin gets back on the ladder. Yeah. Punk GTS is Benjamin. Punk gets on the ladder. Kennedy pulls him down and hits the Finley roll on the uh, on the ladder. And I think that's where you started mentioning if he hadn't been hurt the year prior, would he have been champion? And then I was talking about uh, yeah. I I know I know Mr. Kennedy because we were both in the in the Wisconsin indie scene at the same time, <clears throat> and I always thought that um, that Mr. Anderson or Mr. Kennedy or whatever name you want to refer to him by um, definitely had that potential, but um, you know it's one of those things, man, where it's just like he was injured all the goddamn time. Um, yeah. You know, and he just couldn't shake that uh, during his WWE career. You know, he would be healthy for a few months, and then he would get hurt. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, I, would, I mean, Kennedy, I don't know, I wasn't really a big fan of him when he was in TNA, but he seemed to be quite an interesting character in WWE, and he would have, would have liked to have seen what he'd be like as a, as a champion. 
Um, so after uh, Kane does the roll and sent on on Tonk, Cleaver uh, climbs up, but um, MVP kicks him off, and then he tries to do um, big boot him in the corner, but he misses and traps his leg above the turnbuckle. And Cleaver hits the standard leg with that ladder, which you know, makes it a bit worse. Um, after that. Uh, yeah, Carlito Lee is not involved that involved in this match. There's only no, sorry, a couple of you know, there's a couple of spots where he comes through, but really like I felt like he was just not hanging around for a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit where he does climb up the ladder, but then Benjamin pulls him up and kinda of does like a version of Trouble in Paradise to like like take Kalita out for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um and then he, they get a lot of people that the People like toppling ladders because Benjamin climbs up, but Kenzie Kalito then joins for the top of that ladder, and then he, Benjamin goes flying into a ladder on the outside. Yeah, and then Kalito, uh, Kenzie, and Jericho all climb up, but MVP topples that. Um, Martin gets back into the game and he throws a ladder at MVP, which is nice. And then he climbs up, but uh, what we like is that uh, Jericho kind of puts him like a version of the one Jericho top of the ladder. So, like, you know, stop him from getting the briefcase or a nice spot as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you talking about the spot where the lad- like it's two ladders sort of crossed at the bottom and they like, is that the spot yeah, you're yeah. referring to? Yeah. That, yeah I really yeah. like that. Yeah. So the two ladders are like the, 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 they're like through one of the bottom rungs, one of the other ladders is stuck in there. So they, yeah. for whatever, I don't remember why Jericho and Carlito stand on it to bring it up in the first place. Then Morrison climbs up the one that's now standing straight up, and then Jericho and Carlito just get yeah. off of it and tip it back, and Morrison goes ass over tea kettle yeah. on the floor. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and there's a bit where um, pretty much like Carlito's trying to grab the briefcase now, so Jericho lets go of Morrison to stop that happening. Then Punk and Carlito join in. Um, Goes about to win, but uh, Cleto grabs him and does a backstabber off the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, which which was, I don't which know, really I don't nice. know if you ever, yeah, I don't know if you ever have been the recipient of a backstabber, but it must kind of hurt you jumping it from a distance, from a high, high height, even. Uh, I never, I, I'm trying to think, I don't think I ever took one. People weren't really using that move while I was still uh, wrestling in the Indies, so. Uh, but I would imagine it's not terribly yeah. comfortable and probably coming off of a ladder, there's probably very little you can do to mitigate how uncomfortable it is. <laughs> so, yeah, so be it, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, yeah and then um, MVP climbs up and looks about to win, and then it's probably my favorite bit of the match so far. Uh, Mike Hardy, who got, has got injured five months played in the to MVP, mm-hmm. uh, runs in from the crowd and then hit Christopher Fate off the ladder. <laughs> Which uh, and then he just then he just runs off again. Yep. yep. Nice, um, nice cameo by my heart there. It looks really good though. Yeah. It looks really good, and the crowd pops pretty heavy for it. Um, yeah. Yes. I like that. I like that spot. Um, I totally forgot. Like, of course, like watching it now, it's weird because you have no context until the announcers are like, "He was yeah. injured by MVP," and then you're like, "Oh, right." But just watching it in a vacuum, you're like, "What the hell is Matt Hardy doing here, and why is he attacking MVP in the meeting?" So, um, but yeah, yeah that's what I thought. That's you like the, the actual competitor in the match, and then they just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so after that, uh, Jericho hits Ponkelito and then gets it wedged um, in the ladder. Um, Morrison climbs up, but he gets flipped, and he gets sent into the ropes. 
and then Diablo climbed up and Kalito decided to spend some time to eat an apple and spit at a Jabberco. Um, and then um, I think Kenny pulled Kalito out. Oh, sorry, Kenny uh, Jabberco out the wing. Um, and then Kalito starts to climb up. Kenny pushes him up into another ladder and uh, um, Punk hits Kenny with a ladder, sending him to the map. Jabberco comes back and hits a cold break on Punk. Uh, this is the year he started using it. 2008. Yeah, yeah, he had just come back and uh, earlier that year, I think, or at the end of 2007, maybe he'd been gone for like a year, I think. Yeah, and came back. Um, yeah, and he hits the the. It looks really nice too, the way he does it, the way he he sort of sandwiches the ladder between his knees and Punk, and then falls back. Um, yeah, it looks it looks pretty good. Yeah, it I also really like yeah, the code breaker um, as a finisher just in general because it follows that sort of golden rule of you can do it to anybody, um, which is yeah. which is key, I think, when it comes to a good finishing move. So, uh, Yeah, and, I mean, it is one of those movies you can hit nowhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the announced team sort of acts like, well, that's it. Like, everybody else is incapacitated, and now Punk just took that... Codebreaker on the ladder, so like Jericho's got this, and uh, yeah, and Jericho starts to climb the ladder at the at the snail's pace required for you know <laughs> yes anyone participating in this type of match, and um, he gets uh, to the top and Punk comes back, and this is the part where I think Punk really is made to look really fantastic because he he starts to climb up the ladder and Jericho kicks him in the face at six or seven times then he keeps climbing and then he gets up and and Jericho punches him in the face a bunch of times and finally he staggers him a little bit but then Punk sort of recovers comes back up the ladder um and then they sort of struggle over the briefcase together um, which is sort of yeah. reminiscent of one of one of my favorite ladder matches, which is the one where the the Jericho HBK uh, ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship, which ended with them struggling and Jericho pulling way back and just slamming HBK in the face with the title while it was still hung up there, um, which is a great finish and a great match. Yeah. Um, and this is very sort of uh, I don't remember if that was before this or after this. I think that was after. After this, um, but sort of similar, yeah, yeah. yeah, similar idea. They're wrestling over the briefcase. Punk uh, or Jericho rather kind of tries to use it to hit Punk, and uh, Punk comes around the side with a kick, or a couple kicks, and finally is able to knock Jericho off the ladder and unhook the briefcase. And yeah, and that was for me. Um, you know, that was a. Yep. A kind of a big moment uh, for me personally because um, I don't know CM Punk well, um, but I have met him because yeah. uh, again he was also in the Midwest, still doing indies when I was, and we crossed paths a couple of times. And um, you know, a lot of people say he's an asshole and stuff, and which is, I mean, sort of true, I guess. But he was never an asshole to me. Um, in my personal yeah. interactions with him. And uh, it was really, it, it's sort of like, I mean, he's from Chicago and I'm from Milwaukee, but it's sort of the same idea, right? Like this is a guy who, um, you know, 
came from the Midwest, worked really hard, um, you know, and as someone that I, that I was aware of and following since, uh, you know, I, I was aware of him when I was in high school, you know, I was, he I mean, he's only a couple of years older than me, but I was finishing up my senior year of high school the first time I saw him, uh, at a local indie show. And it was really cool because I, uh, have been straight edge since high school. So I was like, you know, there's like, there's this wrestler who's also straight edge and, you know, um, you know, he's got an operation Ivy tattoo on his calf and all this stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. You know? And so like when you see, you know, at, at the time, seven years later, you know, you see him win the, the title shot, the one, the, the, the money in the bank. Um, I was really happy for him. It was really, it was really cool, you know, because at that time, I guess still at this time, now that I'm thinking about it, everybody who's won the money in the bank, sorry, everybody who's cashed in the money in the bank has won the title, whatever title they cashed it in for, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, they have. Yeah. Anderson won it. Yeah. Up to this point. Yeah. It wasn't until... Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like at the briefcase. Yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah, so. so you know, so so knowing that as like, well, you know, he's going to be the champion now, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's true. It was um, it's probably out of that true. He's probably one the one probably one who probably would deserve that because they don't really they try not to use established like stars to win it. It's more people that they think would be the next. Got next big thing to yeah. like become the champion, and I think that uh, that. So I said earlier that the the psychology of the match is pretty by the you know pretty easy, and and the psychology of the match itself that's true. But the way they've used it, I think, in a broader sense, um, like when Cena won it, I was like, did we really need John Cena to win Money in the Bank? Like, is that necessary? You know? Yeah. What's 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 going through the worst year of his life? <laughs> well, I guess, but still. Yeah. Um. You know, it's like it's like you don't. I, I feel like it's been a tool. It was a tool. I mean, it got it got Rob Van Dam to that point, who prior was sort yeah. of seen as a upper mid card guy. It did the same thing for Edge. It did the same thing for Punk. It did, you know, and and then you know, and I think it sort of continues to do that. I think in I mean, it did that for uh, Seth Rollins even. I think, um, and I was really nervous yeah. that he would be the one where they would be like, he cashed it in and didn't win it. You know, it'd be, but you know, they, they went big with Rollins, which I was really happy about. Um, you know, but like, yeah, John Cena doesn't fucking need to win money in the bank. That's dumb. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so John Cena can win the Royal rumble. That's fine. Uh, cause the Royal rumble, I think is a lot, is less of that. I mean, it, it can, it can still be used for that. Um, yeah. But it's it's less of that because with money in the bank you still have time, so you can establish that this person's going to get a title shot. But you still have time to elevate them in between the time they win the briefcase and the time they cash it in to build. And with the Royal Rumble, you really don't have time to do that, uh, or if you do, you have to do it really fast. And it doesn't, and the audience might not necessarily yeah. buy it. You know, if you have someone come from out of left field. You know, and win the the Royal Rumble, um, you might have problems with your audience buying that, as, as I think was evidenced this year, 
you know, you, your audience may not buy into that, um, in the way you want them to. And you may not be, you may not have enough time to correct that. Um, but with money in the bank, you, you, is there a time limit still? It used to be a year, right? It was like, you wanted at WrestleMania and you catch it. Is it still a year? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, um, so far, Edge is still Edge. To one of the first times been the longest to just over two make the day, uh, but no one's. I don't think anyone's like no come close to the deadline. I like that's one thing I like to see when like, I really buy. Now something will happen, I, like I'm more to cash it in. So trying to like find ways to you know get an opportunity that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that that might that would be a nice thing to see. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you have to anticipate when someone wins. Right. With um, that kind of thing. Um, so with, with Punk's cash in, um, he did it at the the, um, the night after Night and Champions, which was the end of June 2000. Edge, who lost the World Heavy Championship Overtaker at WrestleMania, uh, went on to, um, I can't remember if he got it. Yeah, he got, back, he got it back uh, by being Batista yep. at Night of Champions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they must have had the draft that day or the week before. Because um, Edge is in the segment war and he's boasting that you know now now I'm on SmackDown, so is Triple H. So you're never going to um, see this championship being defended um, on War again. Um, Peter comes out and pretty fucks up Edge, um, and then um, Punk seizes the opportunity to um, run in, uh, cash in the briefcase, hit a GTS and become World Heavyweight Championship for the first time. And what I noticed, I think, to come, I think Jerry Lyon was like going, oh, that's great now, because that, that means War now has a, like, a champion. Right. Um, so I kind of like that kind of part of the cashing kind of thing. Everyone's going to feel it's going to go one way, and now thanks to Punk, it's going to be pretty much the same as Crow in a way. Yeah, and you know, I remember watching Raw when that happened, and I remember no, as soon as Edge came out and said, you don't have a champion. I'm never going to come back to this stupid, crappy show to defend the title, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was like, Punk's going to cash in, you know. Um, yeah. I I mean, I guess I would have hoped to see it be a, a, a little stronger cash in as far as, you know, maybe come out and say, I'm going to cash this in and I want to match tonight while you're because you're here and you yeah. can't refuse it. Um rather than just have Batista do all the work and have you know, baby face CM Punk sort of like clean up after. Um, but I don't, I don't think I had as much of a problem with it as other, I remember other people sort of complaining about that a lot at the time. Um, you know, that, that, yeah. that the people felt like that made Punk look really weak. And I don't, I, I don't think it made him look strong, but I, I mean, I think, well, so history sort of has borne out <laughs> that he didn't look too weak, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, but I don't think it was, uh, you know, the thing where he's like tapping his hand on his wrist, like, you know, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not in love with that, but it also makes sense, right? Like he wants to get this done yeah. and you know, he wants, you know, if he's cashing this in, it has to be at the right time. And also I think almost more importantly than that, it is, you know, at that time and, and really sort of for a good portion of his heel career, which is the best part of his career, Edge was uh, the ultimate yeah. opportunist, right? And so, this is like that—that yeah. that, this is that flipped on his head, right? You're gonna lose the title by someone who is who is an opportunist in this moment because that is the sort of poetic justice of of the thing. And in that way, you don't really, 
the crowd doesn't turn on Punk for being opportunistic because really he's just giving back to Edge what Edge has done to so many people starting, you know, whatever, Absolutely. two years earlier with uh, when he did it to John Cena at, at uh, New, New Year's Revolution in the Elimination Chamber. Um, you know, so so I think it I think it works. Uh, it's not perfect, but I think it works. And I think um, it, it also did remind me of how glad I am that we ha- are back to just having that the brand extension is over, right? I mean, I guess NXT is yeah. sort of like a brand extension still, but like SmackDown and Raw are no longer. And I don't think like they ever officially said like they just sort of let it go away over time. And as part of that, they reunified the championships. Uh, you know, that's going back a couple of years already, but I feel like they were still kind of half-ass keeping the roster separate for a little while, even after that. But uh, I'm just glad the brand extension yeah. and especially the championship split is over because I feel like for the most part, um, the way they treated the world heavyweight, like the world heavyweight championship almost became like a slightly more important intercontinental championship and the intercontinental championship became like meaningless. Um, and they just had so yeah, many true. belts too. They had so many belts, like the the U.S. and the Intercontinental, <laughs> and the, I mean, I guess they still do, but they had two tag team champions, and they had two women's champions, and they had two world champions, and they and it's just like it's so tiresome and trying to keep track of like all of that shit is just a pain in the ass, and and yeah, the, it seemed like the world champion was always playing second fiddle to the WWE champion, um, generally speaking. There are a couple of instances where that wasn't the case, mostly when, like, John Cena had the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, yeah. But it just sort of generally always felt that way, and I'm really glad that that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> because it was like, yeah, Punk's the champion, but he's not the real champion, you know? It wasn't until he won the WWE Championship. Yeah, that's true. That's now true. he's the real champion, you know? It's just, so... That's true. Uh, one interesting fact about this cash in is that um, Edge is the first of two wrestlers who cashed in the money in the bank and then went on to have the no the briefcase cashed in on him. Yeah. Do you know who, who the second person is? Uh, uh, yeah, was, go. was it was it Cena? Well, Cena had it cashed in on him first, I guess, and then yeah, uh, and then won it. So I guess it was the opposite order, but yeah. I, I'm not sure. Was he that? Was he also the one who had it cashed in on him after the fact? I don't know. Uh, no, but it was um, it was actually Punk. Uh, was it three Punk? years later, yeah, because three years later he, he had the the money the bank cashed in him at SummerSlam uh, by Alberto Del Rio. So oh, that's those right. Were the only two there's, there's, well, we've seen this different because he'd been I think he'd been cashed in like two three times he, before right. he before cashed he himself, cashed then, it on somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I think the year after that is when Standard tried to catch on him and failed. Um, so, so yeah, no, I thought I didn't. I, I, was like, I remember Punk. I remember Edge did it also. I thought that was yeah. Yeah, yeah I think um, you so, know. I think my thing with so Money in the Bank. Where are we find? Oh. Uh... Sorry, I was just going to say very quickly before we sort of tie this up that um, I think the thing with Money in the Bank that I would like to see is more yeah, people um, more people sort of not just cashing in at a moment where their opponent looks the weakest. Like, I really liked that the first time they did it, Rob Van Dam was like, I'm going to cash this in for a match in the future at this specific pay-per-view. 
so that I, because then I feel like I have the home field advantage, but I don't want to take advantage of you that way. I want to take advantage of you just in terms of having a, a sort of home field advantage and having a straight up, you know, man to man match. And I feel like they've, they haven't really done a lot of that since the first time. I'm, I struggle to even think of another time that they did. I feel like Cena maybe did that one time and said like, I'm cashing in for a match at such and such a yeah. place. Um, but they don't do that very often. And I think I would like to see more of that because I think, you know, I think it would be, well, see, the thing is it's not at WrestleMania anymore, but it would still be exciting for somebody to win it and say, you know, the next night on Raw, say, I'm cashing this in right now for a title shot at WrestleMania because I want to win the championship at WrestleMania. So here's the briefcase. Yeah. And whoever's champion in eight months, like, be on the lookout. Um, I think that would be an interesting, but then of course you have the thing of like, what if that person gets injured? What if, what if, what if? And so that's troublesome. And so I think yeah. they are hesitant to do something like that, but I would like to see more of that. Anyways, I'm sorry. I cut you off. I, you can find me. Uh, you, fine. you can find me on Twitter. I'm at shake underscore. Well, if you want to uh, follow my random brand of nonsense on Twitter, uh, or you can find all of the work I do at on the um, if you particularly only interested in my thoughts on wrestling, you may want to just follow uh, what a maneuver on Twitter, which is at what underscore a underscore maneuver. Um, and that is the Twitter feed of the what a maneuver uh, weekly wrestling podcast, which is found at on And we do uh, if you're not aware, if you're listening to this and you're not aware, I've, I've been on it a few times before, but I'll say it again. We are doing a retrospective of the Monday Night Wars, watching every episode of Raw and Nitro. We started at, on January 1st, 1996, um, and we are in like sort of um, early 1998 right now. And so we do every episode of Raw and Nitro and all the pay-per-views. And so you can check those out. Uh, there's over 100 episodes right now. Those are available at onthestick.com. And uh, that's pretty much, I think, what's of most interest to the people who will be listening to this. Yes. Um, I'm not sure you do the bullish ugly podcast, don't we? Yes, we also do that. That's in the same feed, so really it's the same. So that's my friend Greg and I. And yeah. uh, Greg is, was sort of a lapsed wrestling fan who has now once again become a wrestling fan. So uh, we are going back into the archives and we are watching some of the worst of what WWE Network has to offer and sort of uh, riffing on it in real time. So you can check those out as well. There are significantly less than 100 of those, though. Uh, there's like eight, I think, or something, seven or eight of those. So check that out, too. Um, and you can find me at uh, two websites. The podcast is on logowrestling.wordpress.com and uh, my blog is at logowrestling.blogspot.com and that way just talking about pay-per-view reviews and everything around to some opinion pieces as well. <laughs> um, so Joe, welcome to being Yeah, hey, Joe. thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it and, uh, and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you again <laughs> in the future. Yes, uh, yes, and during the next time, we're talking about the WrestleMania 25 Money in the Bank match. Until then, take care and goodbye. Money! Money, 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 money! Money!